It's the 19th hole with Michael Williams. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the 19th hole here on Golf WRX. Your host, Michael Williams, bringing you the best in golf and golf lifestyle week after week after week. This week is no different. We have two great guests I'm really looking forward to uh, sharing with you. Uh, the first is Chris McGinley uh, from Honma. He runs product development over there, and he has uh, got a great new driver offering, the TR20. He's going to tell us all about it, uh, what it is, how he came about producing this magnificent product, this wonderful beast, this miraculous thing, and he's going to tell you where you can get it. Uh, looking forward to talking to him. It's his first time here on the 19th hole, so please be gentle with him. Also, we have uh, my good friend Charlie Hill. He's from Cordillera Ranch, which is a wonderful uh, golf community that's just outside of uh, San Antonio, Texas. I went there uh, on my last trip before the whole shutdown thing happened, and uh, these guys are just uh, a magnificent uh, destination. It's a residential place, so I know a lot of you out there are looking for a great place to live and play golf. And not only do they have golf, they have fishing, they have hunting, they have horseback riding, they have uh, shooting sports, they have uh, everything that I love to do in the outdoors, including golf. It's a wonderful place. Jimmy Walker, former winner of the uh, uh, PGA uh, Championship, lives there. So if it's good enough for him, it's good enough for you. So uh, uh, stand by and uh, really, you're going to enjoy what the, the guys have to say from Cordillera Ranch. I know that you will. Um, let's see, before we get started, a couple of points to note. Um, let's go to the PGA Tour where uh, the coronavirus is currently leading uh, the uh, FedEx Cup standings right now. It has uh, claimed uh, five top contenders from this week's uh, championship who are not playing, including Brooks Kepka, uh, uh, Graham McDowell, and others are, are not playing in the championship. Uh, the PGA Tour is uh, addressing this issue, as you might think they would. Um, let's read from the article by uh, Mike McAllister, our friend over at PGA Tour. Uh, the five players who are withdrawn from this week's championship are Brooks, Kes Brooks Kepka and his brother Chase. Um, last week's RBC Heritage winner, Webb Simpson, Cameron Champ, and Graham McDowell. Um, of the five players, Champ was the only one who had tested positive. The others were precautionary moves with the caddies for Brooks Kepka and McDowell testing positive, and a family member of Simpson's also testing positive. Uh, Chase Kepka, a Monday qualifier this week, opted to withdraw after playing a practice round with his brother and McDowell, even though neither he nor his caddy had tested positive. I feel this is as if this is the best decision to keep all other players, caddies, and volunteers safe, he explained. Uh, just seven of the what, some 2,700 total in-market tournament tests uh, on the PGA Tour and the Corn Ferry Tour in the first three weeks have come back positive. That's a rate of 0.025%, very low, of course, in terms of statistics. But safety remains the primary concern for those involved, says uh, uh, PGA Tour Commissioner um, Jay Monahan. Uh, he is right. And every number hurts. Every number is potentially a very sick person. And also, let's face it, potentially a mortality. This is a, a fatality. This is nothing to play around with this virus. So the tour has uh, tightened its protocols up for this week beyond what they were before. Um, those who are traveling on the PGA Tour 
charter will be subject to uh, testing as they uh, arrive at the charter in, uh, in addition to the pre-charter test. They'll have to have the nasal swab before they get on uh, the plane. Players, uh, uh, instructors, their, their coaches have to be added to the on-site testing protocol, which they call the bubble, the, the on-site protocols and testing and where they display that. The whole procedure, they, it's known as the bubble. Uh, starting with next week's Rocket Mortgage Classic in Detroit, uh, the fitness trailer will be on site and that's where players have to work out. Uh, they're not letting players go to off-site places. They're having concerns that going to those off-site uh, physio uh, facilities will uh, um, increase the, the uh, likelihood of infection. Uh, let's see. And the stipend policy has been updated to specify that a player will not be eligible uh, for pay if he's tested positive for COVID-19 after not following the safety protocols outlined in the participant resource guide. So you don't play by the rules, you don't get paid. Uh, also, there is a uh, manufacturer of a device called Whoop, these fitness straps that uh, all players, caddies, and other essential personnel are now being required to wear. It's a device that collects physiological data and helps uh, an individual optimize workouts and recovery and, and sleep, things like that, typically, that Roy McElroy, Warren One, had, had uh, advocated for these things. Now, uh, Nick Watney, requested a secondary test after concerns about his nighttime res respiratory rate based on feedback from his whoop. Subsequently, he tested positive and withdrew from the event. So it looks like uh, you know, that particular uh, device, the whoop, that's W-H-O-O-P, whoop, uh, is going to be uh, the thing to have for all of those players and may become the thing to have for, for his amateur players as well. Um, th the question, remains also the obvious question is are they going to continue to tour how many does it take before you decide to shut this thing down and i don't know if there's any clear answer to that i don't know if they have couched this thing in terms of this number means shut it down one less than this number means keep it open it's hard to determine it like that i think um these guys definitely have their finger in the wind as most uh, uh sports leagues do trying to figure out the balance between trying to keep their sport open, trying to bring the game to the, the players themselves to allow them to, to do what they do and allow their fans to see what they love to see, um, to get that television revenue. I'm sure that has to be some sort of figure in, uh, or a factor in it somehow. But also there's the safety. You don't want to have people running around getting sick, potentially dying, and also uh, spreading uh, the coronavirus to whatever number of people it, it you, you face a, a, a potential backlash when you're deemed irresponsible for keeping your league open. There's no easy answer to this. Look, the tour is on this week. I've spoken to several tour players and their answer is when you say, are you going to be playing next week? Is the tour going to be playing next week? Their answer is your guess is as good as mine. Um, so we'll just have to see. Um, I would prefer if the tour shut itself down rather than have some outside entity have to shut it down. They go to a destination to some state and the state says, you know what, you're one of the, you think you're running your event, but you're not going to do that. It's irresponsible to do that. So we're not going to allow you to do that. I think that would have a detrimental effect on the reputation of the PGA tour. You don't want to have them be in that situation where they're getting shut down and told to be responsible rather than proactively being responsible enough to know that this is not the thing to do. Um, but for now they play this week. 
Uh, we'll see what happens during the course of the week, how many other players test positive, you know, what happens when somebody like, you know, Phil, what happens when Tiger, somebody like that tests positive. I mean, that's, you, I guess you shut it down immediately right then and just don't come back until, you know, those guys, you know, at least you know, those guys uh, get healthy again. Um, but as it, it's a, it's an unprecedented situation. We've said that over and over and over again. But, you know, who's ever had to make these types of decisions? This is uh, uh, the difficult part of it. So we shall see. We're open for business this week. We'll see what happens next week. Um, and I'm not going to make any value judgments on what the right thing to do is here. That's, uh, that's really a difficult thing. And I don't envy the, uh, the leaders of the sport who have to make these, these kinds of decisions. It's a tough one. But uh, we will be watching this week. We will be reporting. And uh, if we have anything to bring you that's uh, inside dope, inside news, so we can get the early scoop on something like that, I'll certainly um, make sure that I, I try to bring that to you as, uh, as soon as I can. So before we get started with the show, I just wanted to uh, let you know, if you hadn't seen, that um, we at Golf WRX have just uh, inked a new deal with uh, Golf Avenue. I don't know if you know Golf Avenue, you probably do. I think it's uh, started off as a uh, as an eBay site, you know, if you will, um, and it's grown to be uh, one of the largest retailers in the world, if not the largest uh, uh, retailer in the world of new and used equipment. I think they have some what fifty thousand clubs in their inventory, something like that, at, at any one given time. I can go to the website right now and tell you right this. Yeah, fifty thousand clubs available at all times, and their trade-in values second to none. You're going to get the best price for your trade-in. So. Golf WRX and Golf Avenue Trading are now in a partnership. You can go to them. You can work with them right through us. And uh, Golf WRX members uh, get the following. In addition to the official partnership, Golf Avenue is offering a 3% bonus on trade-ins for Club WRX members. Yes. And with the coupon code GA 3 That's GA 3 Excuse me. All Golf WRXers will get 3% off their orders. So head on over to Golf Avenue now. Browse the incredible selection of new and pre-owned clubs there. And when you do, you can take them to one of the great places that I've talked about, including Cordillera Ranch, which we're going to be talking about in a minute with Charlie Hill. Um, yeah, we're going to be talking to Charlie Hill, Cordillera Ranch, right this minute. Uh, also, we'll be talking to uh, Chris McGinley of, uh, of Honma Golf. And it's going to be a great show, as always. Stick around. Uh, put your feet up. Relax, unless you're driving. Put your feet on the floor and concentrate. But also listen to the show. We'll be right back. Michael Williams, 19th hole, Golf, WRX. Hello, this is Gary Player. I'm listening to Michael Williams, the best on the 19th hole. Welcome back to the 19th hole. Michael Williams, your host. And, uh, you know, I, I, I just submitted recently, or soon, you're going to be seeing a story uh, about a trip I took to Carlsbad, California, which uh, could actually lay claim to being the world uh, capital of, of golf. It's got a lot of claims on that, from the places that you can play, um, to the places that you can stay, to the people that you can visit who are making all the tools that we use to play this game. A lot of that stuff is located in Carlsbad, California. And I definitely want to do an entire segment. I'm going to do an entire show, not a segment, 
about Carlsbad because it's that cool of a place to visit if you're a golf head, okay? You're gonna wanna stay for quite some time to do that. And we're all looking forward to travel, right? So if you're gonna get it done, what do you wanna do? You wanna do multiple things. You gotta go to see places that have uh, places to play, people to see, things to do. Carlsbad uh, checks off a lot of the boxes there. One of the uh, residents there is uh, Honma Golf. And my next guest is the uh, global vice president, I'm sorry, the VP of global product for uh, Honma Golf, uh, who is going to talk to us about their latest product introduction. And I'm always interested in everything that Honma does. I'm fascinated by that company. So please welcome uh, the vice president of global product for Honma Golf, Chris McGinley. Chris, welcome to the 19th hole for the first time. You're a newbie, brother. I am, Michael. Great, uh, great to be on, and uh, thanks for giving me a little time to talk about Hanma. Yeah, absolutely. There, uh, there is a touch of hazing. We'll go through that when I see you out in Carlsbad, and there is a secret <laughs> handshake. But there also is a special T-shirt and pin. So we'll we'll go through all that when I when I when I see you I, later. I love the gift. I, I love the gift component. That's great. Clear a space in your trophy case is all I'm saying. It's a beauty. Uh, uh, but seriously, thanks for uh, for coming on. And as I said, uh, Honma is, is one of those names that's in a category by itself. You know, I mean, you have the biggies, the guys who are you know sort of out there on front with commercials and everything. And it's it's almost like automobiles. You know, because you have those like sort of leading sellers, the ones that you see, the fleet cars, if you will. And then there's these other cars mm -hmm. that when they drive down the street, everybody stops and turns their heads and goes, whoa. And that's kind of what to me what Honma is, when you see Honma in the back, everybody stops and goes, whoa. So that is my very unsophisticated way of describing the product. Why don't you give us a more practice way of describing uh, sort of the mission and vision of, uh, of Honma Golf? What, what are you trying to do over there? You, you bet. The, the first thing really we'd love people to know about Honma is it's a 60-year-old brand. So it's been around longer than many of the big brands, uh, the big four brands in the U.S. market. Hmm. And it's got... Uh, an incredible and legendary heritage of craftsmanship, you know, prestige, unparalleled beauty, particularly driven by the, our super premium line of Ferret. It's, it's definitely the most premium line of golf clubs in the world. And it's really what Honda has been known for over the past, you know, say 15 to 20 years. Um, but we do have a great uh, heritage and history in better player product too which what we now call the premium performance category hmm. and Hanma really has aspirations to be more of a global brand and in golf that means you know competing and doing well in the u.s market so we've been you know we've been hard at work the past year and a half at making some new products that um, are in that premium performance category for the more western golfer the more you know, they want something um, equally as beautiful, but more performance forward. So we're, we're combining some of that 60-year-old heritage of making absolutely beautiful golf clubs with uh, a little bit more Western performance forward um, expectation and performance. Well, I, I, it uh, definitely lives up to, to the, the, the style, the look, the feel, the... Um the brand, if you will, you know, is completely solid. And it's fascinating to me that you're moving into this U.S. market and the technology of it. Before we talk a little bit more about Hanma, uh, talk to me a little bit about Chris McGinley. How, what, what's your background in the industry and how did you come to Hanma in this position? You bet. I've, I've been in the industry 30 plus years now. I worked for some small manufacturers, kind of worked my way up the food chain, if you will. And then I spent 21 years at Titleist. So, 
I saw incredible growth on the Titleist Club business and got to see the launch of some incredible products, got mm. to help and participate and, and help drive some of those launches uh, between, you know, Cameron Putters, Bob Oakey Wedges, um, some legendary metal, wood, and iron franchises. Uh, so that was, you know, really, that, that's what really has made me as a, as a professional in the golf equipment industry is my time at Titleist. Um, I've been in Hanma about a year and a half now. So it's fun being uh, on, a, on a business that has an equal amount of craftsmanship because that's how Titleist really built their club business in the U.S. market. Yes. So there's a little bit of parallel there with the Honda brand. And uh, it's fun to, you know, be in more of a, a challenger seat, I guess, if you will. Honma is not a well-known brand in North America, but we've got some great products that uh, we think compete really favorably with uh, the big four guys, including Titleist. Yeah, and I think you uh, I have hit on it. And when I looked at the, uh, the, the press release talking about the TR20 drivers, which we're going to talk about in a little bit, the, the first sentence kind of struck me, and, and that reads as follows. As Hanma expands its diverse product line to appeal to the technology-focused North American market. Nobody would know the North American market better than you, a guy who spent 21 years at Titleist. Uh, so before we talk again about the product itself, I want to sort of define that, that U.S. market. What do you have to do to, to really make an impact on the, on the North American market versus the rest of the world? Well, that, you know, that's evolved, Michael, over time. Hmm. Um, you know, as, as golf equipment technology has evolved, um, there's been some great advances. Um, you know, some might say some of those technology advances have slowed a little bit in recent years, and so things like fitting has played a more, more important role. Hmm. Um, things like the, the contribution of the shaft has played a more important role. So, you know, it's not just about, you know, putting as much technology as you can on any single golf club and thinking it's going to be better, you have to get the combination right. Mm -hmm. You know, you have to be able to provide the options that uh, are needed to fit golfers. Um, you need to do a good job with the shaft, not just the head. That's one of the things that makes Hanma unique. And, uh, you know, if you can check all the boxes, I think, with a piece of golf equipment, something that looks good, sounds good, feels good, plays good, has the performance, has the technology, um, then you've really got something. So it isn't necessarily one particular thing, but you know, there's a lot of good product out there now. So the, the expectation of the golfers are pretty high, and it's up to us manufacturers to continue to meet them. That's Chris McGinley. He's the vice president of Global Product at Hanma Golf. I'm Michael Williams, your host here at the 19th Hole. Um, I want to go in now to the uh, to the TR20 driver because it looks amazing, um, as you would expect from Honma, and uh, I'd love to try to hit one one day because I bet it feels as amazing as it looks, and we'll sort that out. Uh, the um, the origin story actually fascinated me uh, because it sort of begins with you taking a trip to Japan, I believe, to Japan, and looking at something in sort of a a, a different area called advanced product development or something like that, and you going ah that's the one right there. Did I get that right? Maybe you want to pick up the story and, and enhance that a little bit. Well, yeah, my, my first trip over to Sakata, Japan with the Honda factory was, was certainly eye-opening. Um, I got to see some really interesting things. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that Honda is really good is at shaping and profiling. Hmm. 
they use kind of an old school method, particularly when it comes to metal woods. We start with a block of persimmon and we hand shape that block before we scan it into the CAD environment. So it's really, the shape is truly crafted by artisans, what we call takumi, guys that have been, you know, doing the same thing for 20 to 30 years. Really? So seeing that, understanding why Hanma produced such beautiful shapes, that was cool. But also to see what they were working on the technology side, because as we just discussed, that's pretty important to the North American market. Well, and they it, have a unique relationship with Torre Composites. Uh -huh. so they've done a lot of research in the composite and graphite area, including for clubhead construction. It, so, and, and that's really where TR20 started. I, it's, it's fascinating to me that you start off with an actual block of wood crafting this, uh, this physical thing and then sort of uh, plotting points uh, on the computer from that because I, I think that's probably unique. I've never heard of anyone in this day and age actually going retro step, then taking it forward into the future Future in that way. That, that's fascinating to me, and it really says something about the commitment to, uh, to, to craftsmanship. Um, but eventually it does get down to the, to the materials and, um, as you say, the precision uh, of the technology being, being meshed together. Uh, there's something uh, kind of unique about your, your materials, too. Talk about the materials that go into this particular driver. There, there is. Um, it's, a, it's what I would call a carbon clamshell construction. So there's been carbon used in drivers. There's been drivers that are mostly composite or, or, or carbon constructed in the past that, you know, haven't done necessarily well. But it's obviously a very advantageous um, material to use because of its, you know, strength to weight ratio. You can replace metal with this carbon composite material and really make your design more efficient. So uh, as soon as I saw what they were working on, I thought, you know, that's really a unique construction with a lot of potential to really uh, weight optimize the driver, which can in turn speed optimize the driver. So you want a driver to be fast because distance is obviously important with that club. Think about a race car and how it's built. You know, you have right. a, a lightweight frame where you, you know, you have metal only where it's needed, either for strength or for speed or for structure. And then, you know, you have a carbon body that's very lightweight. Um, that's exactly how the new Honda TR20 driver is built. Um, the top and bottom of the drivers are mostly carbon. It sits on a really efficient um, titanium frame. We call it high carbon fast frame. So. That weight efficiency, um, you know, we were able to save a lot of weight using these carbon clamshells on the top and bottom, allows us to put the metal and or the adjustable weighting system and put the weight exactly where we want it, get the center of gravity exactly where we want it for performance reasons. Hmm. So it's really a unique uh, construction that, that really hasn't been done in the industry before. So that was very exciting to see that and kind of bring that across the finish line because, you know, that was a product that they envisioned several years down the road and I helped them accelerate it forward. And uh, the, uh, when you talk about the, the term clamshell, a carbon clamshell, I've heard that term once before and I believe it's in Formula One racing, which I'm a, a fan of. And I believe that they called their shells cl carbon clamshell when they talk about their construction too. So the, um, the analogy is, is quite accurate, I, I think, to the, to the race cars. Uh, adjustability is another big feature in, in modern drivers. How much adjustability for the, the golfer and the end product do you build into the TR20? 
You know, well, not every golfer wants to be able to adjust their driver, but, you know, we talked earlier a little bit about um, how there's really good equipment out there, but what's important is being able to fit that to you. If you're going to invest in a premium piece of equipment, you obviously want to know it works for you. So providing adjustability for the fitter if you choose to go that route or, you know, the retailer who's going to maybe take a look at your swing in a simulator or, you know, an indoor environment and make some adjustments, uh, that's critical. Right. So there's a ton of adjustability built into TR20. It's really a fitter's dream. You've got adjustable weighting, three weights that allow you to take <clears throat> one driver head and really tailor the ball flight to either, you know, a more high MOI, stable and straighter flight to a low spin flight to one that's got more draw bias in it. Right. So that's one of the first things we look at. What kind of ball flight does that that golfer need? Uh-huh. Um, we also have an, an interchangeable and adjustable hosel that allows you to change specifications like loft, lie, face angle, the length of the shaft, the type of the shaft that's used. So it's got all the bells and whistles in terms of being able to really dial in a golfer to what they need. And I love that we talk about it being uh, adjustable towards the fitter because I, I, I am totally of a mind that there's almost too much adjustability built into to some drivers and it's too easily adjusted which makes the golfer try to manage his swing with the club rather than making tweaks to a ball flight they're trying to make tweaks to an entire result that uh and try to cover up swing flaws with that and i don't think that's what adjustability is really meant can effectively do tell you the truth so i think you've approached it in just the right way uh the other place for adjustability is in shaft choice what do you put in as uh your, uh, your your standard choice for, for shafts, or do you have a range of shaft options? Well, one of the unique things about Honda that I mentioned is we make our own shaft. Yeah. Um, so <clears throat> we do the engineering of the head and the shaft in the same factory at the same time. Hmm. So there's a nice synergy that comes from that. We have a very high-end manufa- uh, shaft manufacturing plant, and... <clears throat> We locate the shaft in the hosel the same way every time, which helps uh, impact consistency. Yeah. So that's where the engineering of the shaft and the head at the same time really helps. And so um, we use a, you know, uh, the product is made in Japan. It uses this high-end Torrey fiber composite material. And I, I like to say that, hey, we can we can't make a shaft in our own factory for as less money as I can buy one from one of the OEM shaft manufacturers that makes program shafts. Hmm. So it's really, it adds to the performance of the product. And, and we consider that that design process to be holistic. A lot of companies just design their head and then they go to a shaft manufacturer and they pick several shafts uh, to use in it. You know, we approach it a little bit differently. So. We have a, a line of TR20 shafts uh, available in 50, 60, and 70 gram weights. We have some higher end custom option Hanma Vizard shafts as well um, that are tour proven. One of them won on the PGA Tour last year, so there's plenty of performance in there. And then we do offer OEM custom shaft options as well. So, um, you know, we like to think we can compete on the shaft stage just as well as anyone but you know in the in the world of fitting nowadays we do have a very healthy offering of everybody's shafts that's chris mcginley he's the vice president of global product for hanma golf michael williams here at the 19th hole and chris this uh sounds like just a a, a wonderful offering 
by, by Hanma with this driver. Uh, what are we talking in terms of availability? Is it out there now? And uh, how much should, should we set aside uh, if we want to get this in the bag? <laughs> it is out there. <laughs> the, uh, the, the MRP is uh, 649 Okay. And we do have uh, a bunch of different ways that you can find the product. There is a locator on our uh, website, honmagolf.com that uh, sees the retailers that we're working with. But we also have what's called the Honma Experience. So we've got a, a, a number of mobile vans traveling the country that will come to your club or come to a certain location and do a fitting with you, a one-on-one fitting. And that's, a, you know, like all Honma's products, that's a very elevated experience. So um, you can go through a retailer or you can go through uh, the Sanma fitting experience. We have some uh, fixed locations as well, including the, the Carlsbad headquarters here and what we call Hanma House. Um, so we've got a network. Um, it's, you know, it's not a big number of distribution points because we're a, a smaller brand. Yeah. But the product's easy to find, and you just need to go through our website to do it. And, uh, you know, we both kind of, you know, chuckled when we talk about Hanma because, you know, you know it's going to be a, a, it's a premium product with a, with, a, with a price to match. But it's not that far off of sort of your, as you say, big four, you know, prices for, for their top of the line drivers when it, when it first enters the market. It, there, there isn't a, a lot of room between the two, but there can be a lot of room between, um, between the results. So, uh, uh, yeah, it, it is a premium product, and, and we like to think if you go into a, a fitting environment, in, in most cases, a lot of golfers are walking away from a fitting with you know one of the big four brands with an upgraded shaft, right? Which is going to add you know one, two, if not three hundred dollars or more to exactly. the retail price. Exactly. So you know at six forty nine, we're fifty to a hundred dollars uh, to one hundred fifty dollars more than some of the other fittings. The way we like to look at it is we have a, a high-end made-in-Japan upgrade shaft that comes standard with our product. Right. So we think that drives a really good uh, price value compared to some of the other manufacturers out there. Chris, is, uh, what's the next thing uh, you got going on in, in Carlsbad? Are you guys open, open out there? Are you able to get out and play golf and try out some product? Or what's the story? We are. Things have, uh, have gotten back to a, a point of near normal, whatever that means, I guess, in, uh-huh. in today's terms. Um, yeah, the, the local clubs are starting to, to open. As you may have seen, there's just a tremendous demand to play golf right now. It's, it's really great. And uh, there's some very positive signs on the equipment side, too. So it, it kind of feels like our season got a late start. Um, you know, July is the new April for yeah. us. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Um, no, we're we're excited with what's going on, and uh, and yeah, things are, are are starting to open up out here. Well, savor the flavor, my friend, because you never know when things are going to change with uh, with this bug floating around. But uh, again, this is a magnificent yeah. product, uh, yet another success uh, for your resume. And uh, the next time you have something to talk about, be sure to make me your first stop because uh, I will want to hear about it, and so will all the people who listen to me. No. That's great, Michael. We've, we've got some more stuff coming under the TR line, so we're excited about that. We're going to add fairways uh, and hybrids to the driver and a, and a really cool new set of irons called TR21X that will be available later in the year that uh, we're really, really pumped about. Uh, if you are, I am too. <laughs> we can just put it that way. I'm, I'm excited too. And, uh, you know, God willing and the crick don't rise. Uh, for the next one, I'll come out there. We'll do this uh, 
at, at your place, and we can take a look at all that stuff, and uh, we can both be happy you about it. You got an open invitation. Beautiful. Chris, thanks so much again for, for joining us, and can't wait to have you back in, brother. Yeah, Michael, great talking with you. Okay, that is Chris McGinley, the uh, Vice President of Global Products for uh, Hanma Gall. I finally got myself into the habit of saying Hanma instead of Honma. I keep saying Honma, but I think it's Hanma. I think I, I, think I did it right that time. Either way, it works. It, it, either way, it works? Okay. I, I spent some time in Asia, so I got, I got fixed on Honma. But uh, I can tell you that uh, however you pronounce it, um, what you are going to get when you put this product in your hands, and I have hit some Honma products in the past, is... Uh, I like to think of it as just sort of the perfect combination between form and function. Uh, I am a big fan of things that are aesthetically pleasing. I am a big fan of things that work to their maximum capability and maximize my capability. There are some uh, products that are good at one. There are some products that are good to the other, but there's a very uh, rarefied group of products in any category that you want to think of that are good at form and function. Honma is resting right in the center of that particular file folder. So uh, get down to your club fitter, uh, take a swing at it, and see if we're not right. Uh, we'll take a break. We'll come right back with more golf and stuff. Michael Williams, 19th hole, golf, WRF. Welcome back to the 19th hole, Michael Williams, your host. And um, you know, the whole uh, pandemic uh, situation has really brought a lot of what I do to, uh, to a screeching halt. A lot of what I do is to go around the country and around the world and find places that are exceptional for you to, to visit as well as live. Because a lot of people are planning their ideal uh, location that's built around wonderful golf, wonderful amenities, all of that. So one of the joys of my life is being able to find those things for you, bring them to your attention so you can go ahead and experience them, experience them too. And of course, travel, visitation, all those things have been just completely shut down uh, for such a long time. But right before this all began, I believe the last trip that I took was to a wonderful place uh, in San Antonio, San Antonio, Texas. Uh, some of the best golf I've ever played, some of the best food I've ever eaten, some of the friendliest people I've ever met. Um, this place just ticks off all the boxes for me when you're looking for a place that has the, the lifestyle uh, for, for golf and that uh, golf lifestyle amenities. I'm, of course, talking about Cordillera Ranch uh, just outside San Antonio. And uh, joining me now is the president of Cordillera Ranch uh, Development, Charlie Hill, to talk about it. Charlie, uh, welcome to the 19th hole. And uh, as I always ask every guest these days, how you holding up? Hope everybody's uh, safe and healthy on your side. Well, thanks, Michael. Appreciate you having me aboard uh, today. And same to you. Hope everybody's holding up well on your end. Um, we're, we're doing pretty good. Uh, family, friends around here doing pretty well. Um, thankfully, staying healthy. And, you know, we, uh, 
I know this has been obviously the word unprecedented has been way overused, but mm. that's about all you can say about it. <laughs> and before we start talking about uh, the adjustments that you've made and um, how you how you plan to deal with the prospect of of this thing, you know, long term as an owner and operator. Uh, I want to talk about Cordillera Ranch uh, as, as a place because I think uh, you guys have you've had a vision and you executed it to, to near perfection. So uh, talk to me a little bit about what goes on at Cordillera on the golf course, off the golf, golf course, the amenities that you have, everything that makes it a wonderful place to be. Well, I think uh, I appreciate the kind of words. I think one of the um, you know, one of the things that you got to experience is really the core philosophy of preserving the, the character and history of the ranch hmm. uh, from, from day one. Back in the late 90s when the community development started, uh, the ranch itself, the original ranch, about 4,200 acres, had, you know, a long history of a, of a, it was a place of respite and getaway for, uh, you know, folks from the Houston area and other places just to get out to the hill country and outdoors and that's always uh, been a you know a desire as we developed the community and then later began to develop the club was to you know tap into that tap into why people have come to the hill country for a long time um, and tap into preserving the the character of the ranch the the, the nature the outdoors so everything in the land planning of uh, the community uh, that leads to us you know basically when this whole community and now it's 8700 acres um, leads to us preserving you know, 80% of the community and its native vegetation. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's, that's really, you know, a core piece of what you see when you drive through the community, you don't see a, you know, dense, you know, dense populated area. Um, we've developed 1400 home sites, but you don't see a lot of them. They're, they're set way back from roadways and, and the, you know, um, you know, all the, the native vegetation preserved. So, that's you know that's what you're, you're kind of experiencing, and you may not even you know point that out when you drive through, but that's what that's kind of what you're experiencing. And then when the, the golf course development, you know those concepts, and then the club development, those concepts uh, were woven into that when we started that area of the de- development in the mid 2000 timeframe. Um, wanted a golf course that was you know sprawling across 500 acres, capturing the big views that you get in the hill country. So we got a lot of view holes and you know, water, uh, running water on the golf course, creeks and waterfalls and things like that. Um, and then the rest of the clubs that we integrated in, which are the out, you know, more the outdoor outfitter clubs with kayaking and sporting clays and equestrian. And that's what people come to the hill country for. And so we really have tried to, for 20 years, integrate that as we expand amenities into everything we do, just really, really tap into what people are, are seeking. And even more so in today's environment of the, you know, coronavirus, uh, folks wanting to get to bigger outdoor spaces. We've seen a lot of that in the last eight weeks where folks are, um, you know, just trying to find some some getaway from the, the, the lockdowns that they're dealing with in other places. And I want to emphasize something yeah. that, you, that you said, because when you when you look at Cordillera Ranch, uh, it, it is a a five star golf club It is a five star fishing club. It's a five star sporting clays and, and shooting facilities. So within the one membership or the run one re- residential membership, because you do have residents there, uh, you are actually right. connecting yourself to, is it at five, six, seven different uh, five-star clubs, tennis club as well, uh, that, that allow you 
to enjoy all of these all of these experiences, all of these sports and activities on the very highest level. So I just, I just wanted to emphasize that to people because it exhausted me, but I got to do that over the course of, of about two two days. So a lot of coffee and a couple of Advil went into uh, <laughs> getting the full range of experience there, but it is available to people, and I just wanted to emphasize that. Yeah, that's that's right. It's a, you know some people that move here uh, got eight hundred plus homes and mostly full time residents, and they they end up with a lot of. Uh, we tell them when they build, they're going to have a lot of guests that come to Camp Cordillera because their friends come from all over and want to, right? You know, want to do that. They want to kayak and then play golf and you know do all the kind of camp activities that you can do inside the gates. You know, inside the eighty seven hundred acres that we have. Uh, and that's pretty so much my experience, though. Diverse. I played golf and yeah. then. Went out and uh, got some really superior firearms and blew up some stuff, and then <laughs> <laughs> and went out and uh, did a little fish, a little kayak fishing. Um, I think the only thing I didn't do was tennis. I think uh, everybody was grateful that I didn't do that because, uh, yeah, I, I'm not, <laughs> not nearly the man that I used to be. As my friend Bobby Jones says, my speed has left me for a younger man. Um, we are. <laughs> we're talking to Charlie Hill, the president of Cordillera Ranch Development here on the 19th hole. Michael Williams, your host. So you've got a great facility in a great city, San Antonio, I think really flies under the radar as, as a city as well. Wonderful place. But you get outside uh, the city and you're in this, this sprawling natural area. And then all of a sudden, COVID-19 hits. Now, I know for a lot of people who are running resort destinations, this absolutely devastated them because nobody goes in, nobody goes out. And the whole uh, uh, business model there is about turnover, constant turnover. For you as a residential property, I imagine it was a little bit different handling things. Some of the challenges were the same, but uh, some of the challenges were different. Um, how, how did it differ for you being a residential property? Oh, man. Um, well, well, first off, when it first hit, we all, you know, eight weeks ago seems like forever ago. Yeah. Um, and, and then I say eight weeks ago, it was really, and in, in, maybe when it started sinking in for us here in you know, Texas, this thing really was becoming a problem, uh, uh, was maybe that mid-March time period. That's uh, right. Early to mid-March. That's right. And, and so, you know, that it seems to me like the, the line in the sand was that week, but, you know, NBA and NCAA and golf all yes. just said, we're we're stopping everything. That's when it, that's, that's when it, yeah. It and that's when real, I was leaving, right? when I was and, leaving the ranch, when I was leaving the ranch, they yep. announced that they were suspending yep. the NCAA tournament on that day. And I think I talked to you that yep. same day. We were on the phone when that happened. That's right. Yep. And we were, it was still hard to, hard to fathom that that's the reality. And now so many things have transpired, but, um, but, but, you know, first and foremost, when all that was, was coming down and, and something we all were going to have to face, you know, obviously, uh, you know, how, how do we manage staff? How do we, you know, more of a almost an internal look than worrying too much about, gee, how are we going to make, make sales in this, you know, in this environment? First and foremost, just trying to manage, okay, safety and what are the right protocols for staff? It just was, there was no playbook. So uh, I know I personally spent a ton of time during that, you know, the first middle weeks of March, you know, trying to figure out what are all the right best practices and all the guidelines as many, you know, businesses were doing. Um, so we were, we were looking at that, trying to adjust, uh, you know, staff protocols. And, and then from the club standpoint, you know, I've got great management there with Mark DeWall, general manager, everybody was working diligently to try to implement what are the right 
um, adjustments. Um, at that point, we didn't have we didn't have any governmental shutdowns, but really jumped on the ball, preparing for what was imminent, which were you know different levels of shutdowns of operations, whether it's golf or food and beverage, and and spent a lot of time just trying to get ahead of that and prepare and communicate to members. And I was spending a lot of time. Um, uh, getting on calls with industry, you know, industry uh, peers around the country that were going through the same things because we were all trying mm. to learn, what do we do with this? Right, like, right. What do we do with this? Right. How do, we, how do we manage in a way that's good for our staff, that's good for our members, that's going to, you know, at, at the end of all this, it's going to be right for prospects and, and, you know, future buyers. But first and foremost, it's, you almost take this very much, okay, don't worry about the outside right now. Let's take care of our people yeah. and, and what's right for our, our community. So we did that uh, and really focused on communication to, 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 to staff and members. And I think that helped a lot and, and kind of gained some credibility internally with some, you know, some of our members trying to stay ahead of it. Um, and then just, you know, navigating and preparing for what you could see coming over at least what looked like at least six weeks, eight weeks, nobody knew of, of shutdown. Um, and so when it came to that from the club standpoint, we, we felt pretty prepared come April 1st that we were in a good place. And, and one thing I didn't mention is that, um, you know, another core, you know, fundamental foundation, which we probably talked about when you're here, which is very financially conservative structure. We don't, we're not leveraged. So from the standpoint of, oh, gee, are we going to uh, be able to withstand this? Um, you know, we didn't have near those fears that some places might. Right. So it right. gives you the ability to think long-term. You're yeah. not as, you know, uh, not as short-term panicked. Um, so, you know, just trying to inject some of that uh, into our staff, into our members, into our residents that, hey, we're prepared for this and, and we're going to get through this and here's how we're doing everything to keep everybody safe. Let's all focus on that. Uh-huh. And then other, you know, We'll get past this at some point. So and I'm going to do a longer discussion with operators like you. I, I'm really planning to set up some kind of a forum <clears throat> where, as you say, you make a very good point. There was no place to call for experience and expertise on this thing. Everybody is looking no. for an answer to a question that's never been asked. And, you know, that's yep. that made it very, very difficult for people to try to come up with best practices where none existed before. So now that we've had some time and really an incredibly short amount of time to try to come up with that. Um, I always say the number one thing uh, on the ra- the, number, the two things on the radar are safety uh, and confidence. Those things that are going to provide safety to our guests and our employees and the things that are going to provide confidence to our guests and employees that they're doing the right thing and things are being done in a, in a healthy manner and will be responded to uh, uh, in, a, in a responsible way if anything does happen. Um, is, there, is there any one yeah. thing or one or two things that you want to say in terms of that you want to point out in terms of just best practices or procedures that have helped to give confidence to your staff and to your residents as you, as you open up operations. Um, you know, it's probably similar to what we've seen in other places, mm-hmm. but we, I will say this, the most important thing we did through the process was over communicate, um, uh, yes. particularly to, you know, from the club membership side that's what we said from the outset. You can't communicate too much in this environment. So where we might, and, and we're all deluged with communications from, you know, if you're a club member, you're sure. or, you know, any type of member of an association, you're, you're deluged. But 
in this environment, um, you couldn't do your normal once a month or twice a month communications. It was at least weekly and sometimes three times a week as things evolved. Hey, this is what we're doing. We're ahead of the game. We're, we're, we're taking these precautions. We're adding these cleaning, you know, mechanisms and protocols and just, I mean, we're just trying to show that we're trying to do everything we can mm-hmm. um, uh, to protect and give that confidence and safety. Um, so it just it, it wasn't one thing. It was communicating about all the things that you were trying to do throughout the club um, uh, and the community. Little things like you know, having our community association wipe down the gate keypad multiple times a day. I mean, you know, I don't know if that really, you know, saved anybody, but it was one more thing we could do. There exactly. Tons of those examples. Exactly. I, I think that's what it's so, all about. Yeah. That one more thing, you know, that I think those are the things that yep. bring confidence over communicating and going the extra mile, you know, to say, well, may not help, but right. maybe it does. So that's a, that's what we're going to do. And right. as you said, I think that a lot of people are looking for uh, more wide open spaces where they can, you know, not only in a situation where you have something extraordinary, like uh, like this pandemic, but just on a normal basis, a place to get away, to have some more space, to breathe, to enjoy your family. I think that's one thing that's been rediscovered, the joys of our own mm-hmm. loved ones around us instead of escaping into digital yeah. worlds and malls and things like that. And um, I, from my experience, Cordillera Ranch is a perfect place to do that. Um, if people now are looking for, for, that, for, that, uh, for that retreat and want to investigate Cordillera, uh, as an option, give us some information about how we can get in touch with you and find out more about the experience. Well, you can you know start on our website cordialranch.com. Um, uh, you'll get you know, you'll get some great insights there, and there's you know abundance of uh, you know galleries of photos, videos, and and the like. Um, and then of course we're on all the typical social media. Um, but, but, you know, the best way to do it, you can't capture this place in photos or a website, uh, or on the phone or hearing about it. You got to see it. So, um, it, it, it's, it's truly, uh, uh, unlike anything else we've seen in, in Texas, um, of this scale. Uh, so you just got to come see it. We're, we're in Bernie, uh, just, uh, seven miles east of Bernie, uh, northwest of San Antonio. And so easy, easy jump from the airport in San Antonio, and you got to get out here. And really, what you need to do is is take and make sure you got enough time to explore it, um, explore it on your own when you come. And we like people to do that. We just opened our new lodges, uh, so that that really is intended to give folks that are considering the move here a way to come settle in. I think you, you stayed in you stayed in one of them. We I did. The second building. I did. Um, gives you the ability to come, and we want people to come and not have a you know, not, not have a crammed, you know, a couple of hours because you can't see this place in a few hours. We don't want them to be crammed with a, whether it's a sales associate or, or a friend, we want them to kind of come and just experience it like they would if they lived here for a couple of days. So that's, that's the best way to, to figure out if it's the right fit for you. Okay. So you can organize a, a multi-day uh, visit in, uh, in advance of, of purchasing. That's a, a good uh, extended way to do your research and your due diligence right. and, and, and get the full experience. I think that's a, that's a great idea. And it is a, a, a private membership. It's a, it's a, it's a close, close community. And you do have some pretty famous members there. I, I saw Jimmy Walker's uh, parking space. I was there PGA champion, Jimmy Walker. You know that there's uh, a lot of famous Texans that like to, uh, to uh, mosey along the trails down at Cordillera. So you got, you're, you'd be in some pretty good company when you get down there. <laughs> At least that's yeah. that's what it's, I think uh, anyway. 
Yeah, there's uh, it's, it's definitely been a nice place for folks like that, to, whether they're, you know, industry professionals, leaders of, you know, different companies around the country that, that like to come here and frankly settle in and, and be anonymous to uh, some, some degree, and, and then others that come here and there's a pretty vibrant social, you know, activity in the community but what's cool about it is it's not a it's not a uh although there's plenty of uh high-end properties and it's luxury community it's definitely not a chasing the joneses type community people come here to be laid back and, and not not you know not in the rat race right so right you know no matter who you are you kind of just blend in out here you know? yeah i i i think that that's the thing you do you do blend in and they'll although you do have some some of the uh, some of the people who've done very well in their lives, and some people who are uh, very notable. The idea is that everyone gets treated the same, and everyone gets treated wonderfully. That's There's right. a smile on everybody's faces, and uh, I always judge a quality of experience by the fact that everybody seems to be really happy with where they are. They wouldn't rather be any place else, and uh, that's the way I felt at Cordillera, and I think that other people who visit there will get the uh, the same experience. Charlie, thank you so much for spending the time. Um, and I know it's short, you know, during these times, everybody's got a thousand things to do to, to catch up and adjust and prepare for uh, new normals and things like that. So really appreciate, appreciate you spending the time, giving us the experience. And whenever you have something else to tell us about, uh, be sure that you can do that here. Okay. Make this your soapbox to stand on. Great. Thanks for having me and look forward to having you back down here soon. Yeah, absolutely. There's a fish that I didn't catch. That's uh that's got my name on it. So I'll be <laughs> I'll be back down there to to pull some uh, to pull some fish out of that lake. Thanks so much, Charlie. Thank you. You got that's Charlie Hill, the president of uh, Cordillera Ranch Development. That's Cordillera. And I want to spell that right. It's C O R D C C O R D I L L E R A Cordillera Ranch, and it is an unbelievably scenic place. I rode horses. I because uh, you guys know that, uh, you know, I'm a shooter. So they had a variety of different things for me to try out there. And uh, I enjoyed every single one. I mean, it's Texas. Come on, man. You know that they're going to have the firearms ready for you. So I was all over that. But they had the horses. You have uh, the swim experience. You have the fishing experience. And each and every one of them, you have people that are so wonderful. I made a compliment about the uh, the bean soup that they had there. And, you know, a week later, I get a, a, a mail with the recipe. You know, I mean, I'm sure that that's a, a prized recipe that they have. And uh, the chef shared the recipe with me. It's that type of thing. It's the little things like he talked about with the cleanliness. That's one thing. But that that extends into each and every aspect of what you find at Cordillera. It's the little things. And that's the type of thing that's going to help people not only th th survive, you know, what's going on right now. It's going to be thriving into the future. That's what's going to set it apart for people. Those little things. And believe me, they're doing it right at Cordillera Ranch. We're going to take a break. We'll be back with more golf and stuff. Michael Williams, 19th hole, Golf WRX. Just about wraps it up for this edition of the 19th hole. I want to thank our very special guest, Chris McGinley of Hanma Golf, and also Charlie Hill of Cordillera Ranch. Uh, it is a great place, um, and they are great clubs. Maybe you can buy yourself a set of those clubs and get on over to Cordillera Ranch and play around the golf. That would be the ultimate one-two punch, so get on that. 
uh, you can find out more information about the stuff that we do here at the 19th Hole and about all the great podcasts and other information that are on Golf WRX at, of course, GolfWRX.com. As for me personally, you can reach me on my social media. That's at Michael on TV on Twitter and at Michael Williams TV on Instagram. You can also find on our website all the other great podcasts that are done by the Golf WRX crew. You can also find them on Spotify, SoundCloud, uh, Apple Music, and every place else that fine podcasts are found and sold. Um, Thank you again for listening. As always, we do it all for you. Hope to see you back here next week. Until then, hope you get out and safely uh, play some golf. Come back and tell us about it. And do hit them straight. And even more so than that, do not count the days. Whether we're in lockdown or not, do not count the days. Make the days count. Michael Williams, 19th hole, Golf WRX.